Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. We welcome you to this episode highlighting the principles that can be gleaned from the book of Colossians, and we're doing it from an apologetic perspective. Uh, The book of Colossians, we've been going through a survey of the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossae, and we've uh, landed on chapter 3, and uh, it is our desire to um, complete the latter section of the letter to the Colossian uh, to the Church of Colossae in this episode. Uh, chapter three, verse eleven, talks about uh, the issue of racism within the church. Paul was clear that race has no place in the church. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Greek; uh, that we are all one inside of God's family. There ought not to be bias based on racism. In Christ, we're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, There is no color in Christ uh, because we're all covered by the blood. The only color that really matters is the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, There's nobody better than another person uh, based on their culture, no one better than another person uh, based on where they were born. There's no, in Christ, there's no one better than another person based on their dialect, uh, based on their family tree. We're all one in Christ. And the only one that ought to be elevated above anyone else is Jesus Christ himself. So there's no racism in uh, God's family. I do realize that uh, in the Western culture, specifically in America, uh, we've had uh, issues with people that claim to know Jesus, but yet mistreated others based on race. And we realize that that ha- happened. It's factual that uh, the church, uh, church in many cases, uh, in the early days of America, practiced racism. Now, just because individuals do things doesn't necessarily mean that God endorses it. Doesn't necessarily mean that God uh, was behind them. Uh, there are plenty of people who've done things claiming to know God, but according to the Scripture, uh, we are not working on God's behalf when we sin, and racism is a sin. So we need to remind ourselves that God is looking at our heart. God is looking at who we are internally. God is not dealing with us based on our skin color. He's the one that gave us the flavors. He's the one that gave us the different hues. He's the one that gave us the shades. God even gave us uh, the language. If you read the story of the Tower of Babel, it was God that brought in the multiplicity of languages. So when we, when we use uh, uh, language the way that God wants us to use it, it's a glorious thing. 
When we look at rakes the way God wants us to look at rakes, it's a wonderful thing because we all bring to the table our different cultures. We, we all bring to the di- a table our different stained glass bodies, meaning that we're all different flavors externally. We, we, we all look different. We all have different skin tones. It's a pleasant, thing, uh, a pleasant thing to look at the different hues that God has created. So when we look at it from that perspective and we treat others with respect, and we don't uh, elevate anyone above someone else just because of their skin color or we uh, denigrate someone else because of their skin color. It's a beautiful thing uh, in terms of being one in Christ. But when we do uh, discriminate solely based on skin color, God is not behind that. God is not behind racism. So in this chapter, chapter 3, Paul provides a snapshot of righteousness. Uh, highlighted by Christian conduct. So he says, put on tender mercies and kindness. Verse 12. Then he says, don't be proud. Verse 12. Then he says, be gentle and patient. These are characteristics that you and I must adopt. We must be merciful. When others do things, we must exhibit some mercy. Now, showing mercy doesn't mean we condone the act, but we must learn to deal with people uh, beyond the singular transgression that they've committed. So be tender, show kindness, don't be proud, be gentle and patient. So these are some of the characteristics that we as Christians, we must reach for. Then, Uh, Paul says, practice love above all else. Verse 14, he holds everything, uh, or love rather, holds everything together perfectly. Then teach and correct one another wisely. Uh, Sometimes uh, people tend to uh, correct other people inside the church, but they do it foolishly. And I always say, before you reprove someone, develop a relationship. Relationship before reproof. If I don't have a relationship with someone and the first thing they hear from me is, you're doing this wrong, you did this right, it's not going to go across too well. But if you build relationships, if that person understands that what you're saying is for their best, uh, uh, for, for, their, uh, for their best, then they understand that you're looking out for them. They understand that you love them. They understand that you're not saying something to, just to be hurtful. But again, if we don't have relationship and the first thing that they hear from us is uh, chastisement and reproof, it's not going to work too well. Uh, Paul also says, teach one another by singing psalms and hymns from the, from the Spirit. And he's dealing with church worship. We ought to uh, sing to one another in psalms. We ought to sing hymns uh, from the Spirit. And it just conveys that there's a certain uh, type of worship that ought to take place. Uh, Worship songs ought to be focused on God, ought to be uh, focused on who he is, ought to be focused on what he's done, Uh, not about choir robes, not about what pew you sit on, not about uh, how fast the beat is, but it's about Jesus. It's about God. It's about the one who has saved us, the one who has sanctified us. It's about the one 
who has uh, uh, shown us what it means to live a life that's abundant. So that's verse 16, chapter 3. Then he says, sing to God with thanks in your heart. And it has to be the right motive. When we worship God, it must come out of a right motive. Not worshiping God to be seen. Not worshiping God just to check off our religious duties and customs. But we're singing it from our heart. It's sincere. Not not uh, based on anything else, but me talking to God, me singing to God. So he again, Paul, repeats the constant message of keeping Jesus first. The last part of the chapter, uh, chapter 3, is dedicated to the family. Paul provides a roadmap for the Christian family. Number one, he says, husbands, love your wives and do not uh, uh, be mean to them. Verse 19. And while I'm on that, from an apologetic perspective, uh, the world is trying to throw us a curveball and redefine it, redefining what marriage is. Marriage is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, according to the scriptures. And that's God's definition of a family. And I realize uh, many people are trying to redefine what a family is, but according to the scripture, uh, that's not God's will. It's inconsistent with scripture. So number two, uh, children obey your parents in everything. Uh, We're living in an age where many parents have lost the respect of their children. Um, They've lost the influence that a parent should have. Uh, and, And in some cases, the parents are at fault in the sense that uh, they are not living a lifestyle that promotes respect. Uh, They're not living a lifestyle that causes uh, the child to see uh, spiritual influence in in, in the parents. And so we all have to play our part. The things that the parents ought to do, things that the children uh, ought to do. And when we all do our part, it brings God's glory. So, fathers, do not make your children bitter or else they will lose hope. And that's, that's what I just mentioned. Uh, there are things that parents uh, have to do uh, to make sure that the child is getting the clear view of what it means to live with Christ. But if we um, aggravate our children, if we do things to provoke them to bitterness, uh, to, uh, which turns them away from God, then God holds us accountable. Uh, we have a, enough challenge as parents uh, living for Christ and trying to raise our children, uh, let alone uh, doing things that God is not pleased with and trying to raise children. It makes it more difficult for those children to see God uh, in, in, in reality, to see God in real time. Um, we have to talk about how many of our children uh, don't have a godly relationship with their significant others. Well, it's difficult to have a godly relationship or know what to do with their significant other when they haven't seen it modeled inside the home. Uh, when, when it's modeled inside the home, then that child has a better chance when they grow up of implementing it and putting it into practice. So uh, it, it's, it's very important that all of us play our part, that all of us follow God based on where we are in lives, uh, in our lives. So uh, the next thing he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Work for them as if you were working for the Lord, verses 22, 23. And in the first century, this is talking about uh, those that have made arrangements, not like American slavery, but 
uh, those that have uh, went into contract almost like an indentured servant. Um, I will serve you in this capacity, and in return, you would give me this. In return, whether it's money, uh, whether it's land, whatever it is. So there's an arrangement. But in this relationship, think of it as uh, an owner uh, or manager to the worker. Whatever the situation is, we cannot, as Christians, if you are a manager, you cannot mistreat those that work for you. And if you are uh, a worker, you can't mistreat your manager. That's Christian ethics. So in chapter 3, verses 22, 23, we all have a role to play. Whatever your station is in life as a Christian, we have to live it in accordance to Christian precepts. We can't mistreat uh, others and still claim to love God, whether you are a manager or whether you are a worker under the manager. We cannot mistreat other people. So masters, that's the next thing Paul says, treat your slaves fairly because you have a master in heaven to emulate. And that's uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So despite our various positions in life, God treats all of us equitably. So for our part, we need to do the same. Just because you have a title in front of your name does not make you any better than the person that cleans the floor. Just because uh, you've been promoted to uh, an overseer, to a steward, doesn't mean that you're better than anybody else that does not have that title. We, all, we, we need to treat everybody with respect. We need to treat everybody uh, with the love that is required. So the last division, as we said in chapter 3, uh, Paul ends it with Christian relationships, how to treat uh, those within the family of God and how to treat uh, those outside of the family of God. So now we're in chapter 4, and it's a continuation of chapter 3. He lists the conducts that are appropriate for Christians. Number one, uh, give a lot of time to prayer. Uh, there's nothing more important than prayer, which is the ability to speak with God himself, which is uh, ought to be seen as a privilege. So prayer is important that Jesus uh, instructed, it's so important that Jesus instructed his disciples uh, to do the following. He said, look, uh, he, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Men should always pray and not faint. Paul also reminds the church of Thessalonica the same thing. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul reminds us that we ought to pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Pray at all times. And you don't have to necessarily be on your knees all the time because sometimes you can't uh, to pray. Pray uh, while you're sitting on the bus. Pray while you're driving in your car. Pray in your heart. Pray while you are in a difficult board meeting. Pray. Uh, while you're in the hospital um, and, and, and uh, you have nowhere to prostrate, uh, pray. I'm always praying. Uh, I'm, I'm praying walking down the hallway. I'm praying um, uh, driving in my car by myself. I'm, I'm praying uh, when I feel as though the day is good. I'm praying when I feel as though the day is not going so good. But we pray at all times. And praying is not just signing off on a religious uh, custom. Praying is talking to God. And God talks back to me. Uh, sometimes he says, uh, just wait. 
I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so clear. He says, just wait. It's not time yet. And other times he says, hold your, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Uh, uh, this is meant to be said, but not right now. Uh, other times um, I hear God saying, move ahead. Move ahead. It's, it's okay to take the next step. I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. I'll meet you after you take that step. I'll be there. You'll, you'll see I'll be there. So praying put us in a position when we, where we can hear God uh, more confidently, where we can hear God more clear, uh, clearly. And then another thing in chapter 4 is Paul is saying, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Verse 5, the way we treat those that are not part of our uh, initial orbit is important. Uh, people outside of our intimate orbit, uh, O-R-B-I-T, uh, and, and, and that's more uh, astrological term, but I'm using it for us because we too have orbits. Um, you have your close friends, then you have your associates, you have your family members, and, and those are the people that you spend a lot of time talking to. Those are a lot of people you spend a lot of time shopping with. Those are a lot of people you spend a lot of time playing golf with. Uh, these, uh, these are individuals that we trust a little bit more than other, people's that, other people that are not part of our intimate orbit. So if people are outside of your orbit, you still should love them. You, should, you still should have empathy for them. You, should, you still should respect them. And remember that we are ambassadors. We are supposed to be co-laborers with Jesus, which means that we are always looking out uh, prayerfully uh, for, uh, for those that may not know Jesus so we can sh- uh, share the gospel with them. That is our ultimate goal. So we must make sure uh, that uh, we are living in accordance to God uh, when we're dealing with outsiders. When people come to your church, are we looking at them in a strange way? Or are we welcoming? Are we accepting? Are we, uh, 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 do we have love for them? And are we able to integrate them into uh, the church based on Scripture, not based on uh, our little cliques? We are not connecting with people to become like us. We should bring people in so they can be unique in their own way, raised up by Jesus. So we have to point them to Jesus. Then the next thing Paul says is, make the most of every opportunity. How many times uh, have we thought about the numerous opportunities wasted? I know uh, just being a Christian for all these years, I've wasted some opportunities, things that I didn't seize when God opened the door for me to seize, uh, the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, the opportunity uh, to step into ministry so God can use me in the way that he sees fit, the opportunity to uh, take a position that God wanted me to have, but uh, fear paralyzes you or paralyzes me. So uh, we need to make the most of every opportunity. For tomorrow's not promised. What we do have is today. And if we're talking to God, if he's talking back to us, if we, we are w- willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we can seize every opportunity and make sure that uh, it, it is the Spirit talking to you. That's very important. Then the next thing Paul says is, let the words you speak be always full of grace. Grace, verse 6, uh, chapter 4 of Colossians uh, verse 6, let the words you speak be always full of grace. 
Grace is God's unmerited favor. Uh, in the same way that God has shown us a favor that we didn't work for, we have to show other people the same uh, dispensation. We, 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 we have to uh, afford other people the same privilege. Uh, God has been merciful. God has shown grace toward us. So we must extend that privilege. When somebody does something we don't like, uh, we must show them grace. It doesn't mean that we're condoning what they've done. It doesn't mean that we agree with the transgression. What it means is that we are allowing God to deal with them directly and to judge them and to give them whatever punishment that God wants to give them or not give them. But what we do is uh, we, we don't put ourselves in the same position to be misused. That's foolishness. God has given us wisdom. So we love them ontologically, meaning we love them as a person, but we distinguish that from the act. You can hate the act, but yet love the person. And that's how God deals with us. When we mess up, God loves us as his children, as as as, as, as an individual, as creation. God loves us, but he rejects the sin. He rejects the transgression. He just doesn't bundle us into one grouping where you are your sin. God doesn't look at us that way. What God does is he separates the the humanness from the act. So um, when we do things, God is able to love us ontologically, but yet reject the sin. So that's important. Make, make sure you make that distinction. Let the words you speak be always full of grace. And when we're talking to people, let us be, let the uh, conversation, let the words be full of grace. Uh, sometimes we say we've for, uh, forgiven people, but we really haven't. You can tell by the way we, we talk to those individuals. You can still uh, sense bitterness. You can still sense uh, this layer of uh, I still haven't forgiven you. So that shouldn't be the case. That should not be the case. Then the next thing is um, learn how to speak in a way that others will want to hear. Let me say it again. Paul tells them, learn how to speak in a way that others will want to hear. I said this uh, at a conference a few weeks ago. And what I shared with the group is it does. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what Jesus did. This is not some sort of abstract theology, uh, theological principle. Jesus did it. When Jesus met someone, he, he established a relationship with them. He, 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 he came across as caring. He came across as concerned. Uh, now, um, different people reacted different ways, but Jesus never came across as, accuser, uh, as, as someone who didn't care. And that's the thing is uh, we, must, we must learn how to talk. We must learn how to conversate with people without always coming across as judgmental. Well, we pray that um, you got something out of these last few weeks as we went through the book of Colossians from an apologetic perspective. If you missed some of the episodes, please go to our website under radio show, uh, srministries.org, and you can listen to it from there. As always, we thank you all for your prayers. We thank you all for your support uh, financially. And if you would like to support us, we need every single listener to support if possible, go online and you can give uh, at uh, srministries.org on our homepage, or you can send us a love offering 
uh, with a check made out to SRM, uh, P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, 95758. Remember, to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.